time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. Thanks for spending your time with me. Thanks for stopping by as you work to build your thriving life, as I work to build my thriving life. I mean, that's kind of what this is all about. I started this journey years and years ago, and the turning point for me was when I got sick and got serious about what I was going to do to improve my life. I'd already been working to figure out how to thrive in life, but in that moment of realizing that there's only so much time, that you and I only have so much time, and that time is precious. That's where I really started getting serious about how we work through this thing called life, how we make it the best thing we can, how we thrive. And let me be very clear. That illness was not an indication that I'd done anything wrong, as well as when you get an illness, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It's just the fact that we are mortal. There is an endpoint to this We're going to find a place where we're out of time, and between here and there, the question is, how do we live this life? Given whatever limitations you have, how do we live this life and make it the most powerful time that we have, the way that we can give back and make a deep impact? And so kind of today is an interesting one because it's the question of win or lose, which we're going to turn that all around. You may notice that all of our lives were kind of brought up in this very competitive world where you either win or lose. You know, there's either first place or there's everyone else who lost. And that whole process of trying to win, of being upset when we lose, gets us really stuck and can keep us from thriving because guess what? We're not going to always win. You know, I realized long ago, I'm never going to be the best. I can strive to be the best, but I'm never going to be the best. I can strive to improve myself and make sure that I'm moving ahead, but that's different than being the best. Carol Dweck talks about having uh, either a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. When we have a growth mindset, We're trying to expand and grow and change and develop along the way. When we have a fixed mindset, we think it's we're there, right? We're we're kind of finished and there. And when we think back and say, you know, I'm just a natural athlete or I'm just a natural writer, or we say that to somebody else, they're just a natural athlete or writer or they're just natural at math or whatever, that's a fixed mindset. And it gets you stuck. Fixed mindset is also really about winning and losing. It gets stuck in that place. So sometimes we have to make a shift. Nelson Mandela says, I never lose. I either win or I learn. So Mandela made an interesting shift there. He went from talking about winning or losing to winning or learning, which is a great shift. It's, it's been something that's been very helpful for me to think about. We often say that in jujitsu. And that's been an interesting development for me. So you may not know it. If you've been listening long, you probably do know it. But I had a new adventure in my life that started about a year and a half ago when I started jujitsu. Um, I'm taking Gracie jujitsu, if you're kind of aware of the jujitsu lineage. So that's Brazilian jujitsu. And I happen to have found a really good gym that's really focused on learning and, and really focused on a curriculum around us mastering some basic pieces. And one of the things that often is said in jiu-jitsu is you either win or you learn. Here's a really cool thing about jiu-jitsu. 
when we're practicing, when somebody gets us to a place where we can't move, a submission, whether they have us in a choke or some kind of a, a, a limb lock or arm bar, leg lock, something like that, where we anything else is either going to knock us out or hurt us, it's really an easy process to stop it. And as we talk about, the easiest escape for anything when you're rolling is to tap. As soon as you tap, they let go. And then you can start again. So the process as you're rolling, practicing, that's called rolling in jiu-jitsu, is as you're rolling with your partner, they catch you and you tap, or you catch them and they tap. And so if you catch them, right, you get them a choke or you get them a, a lock and they tap, you could think, well, I won. And if they catch you that way, you could say, well, I learned And that gets us out of the place where we're struggling for winning and losing, but we're really focused on if something happens, we get to learn. You see, here's the thing I've kind of realized. Winning, losing, it's really about ego. Whichever way you look at that, it's about ego. If I lose, I'm taking that as an ego bruise. If I win, that's still based in my ego, And that's where it's kind of interesting to think about that that the ego is where all of that resides because the ego is is what really others see. It's kind of our surface. It's our reflection in the mirror that the world looks at. It's how we want to be seen. And we use our ego in comparison to other people. If you're in the gym and you're flexing your muscles and looking at the guy beside you or the woman beside you and looking at their fitness or their muscles or whatever and comparing... Your ego is involved in that. If you're thinking about how you might look in something, your ego is involved in that. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad, but we need to be aware of where that comes from because the ego is pretty shallow. It's all about image, not about depth. Your ego has never made a difference in the world. It's worried about how the world views you. We develop that along the way throughout our life. You know, we're brought up in that. I remember the embarrassment when I was a kid of not being chosen until usually one of the last couple in sports. I was a pretty gangly kid who wasn't either coordinated or strong. And and so I was never picked early on uh, for any of the sports. And so I never saw myself as an athlete. But I'll tell you, every time I was waiting to be picked, my ego was getting bruised along the way because I perceived that I was losing. Now, the people who were choosing were trying to make the best team they could. But for me as an individual, I felt like I was losing. And if I, for instance, was chosen early, I won. You know, I I mean, wow, that was great for me. Of course, then I felt like I had to live up to that and somehow perform in something that I didn't know how to do. And again, there goes the ego. Or how about when the teacher calls upon the class and says, hey, who knows the answer to this? And everybody's trying to demonstrate that they know it, not trying to figure out how to do it. Which brings me to the kind of the education system that we've built, which is about proving what you know, not about learning. When I was teaching graduate school, I was very aware aware of the fact that that was exactly what was going on, that people were wanting to demonstrate what they knew much more than they wanted to learn the processes we went. Even when I was trying to help people move through a process of learning, people wanted to demonstrate it. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Here you are in an education process where the assumption is you don't know what's going on. 
and yet you feel the need to prove that you know what's going on. And that's kind of the setup of education. How do you learn something you don't know by trying to prove that you know it? It gets us stuck. Well, this is kind of what happens in jiu-jitsu. So there are thousands, some thousand moves in jiu-jitsu, and of them I know a handful. There are 36 that I've been tested on, and there are others that I have pulled in along the way, but that's a very small percentage. So if somebody catches me in another move, I shouldn't be surprised. They just knew more and were able to execute it, and that's kind of the interesting thing. So when I tap, I could use that opportunity to learn, or I could say, wow, I lost. And sometimes there are people who take it very hard in the jujitsu process. And so when they um, have to tap out, they they feel like they completely lost. And I I talked with a guy uh, a few weeks ago, and he was like, you know, man, I I just keep getting tapped. I feel like I'm always losing and I'm just no good. And that's where I started thinking about this. You know, how do we make a shift to where we're asking the question, what can I learn here? Where is the place for me to learn? So a lot of times when I'm in the middle of rolling and somebody keeps getting me at the same place, my next question is, hey, what am I doing that's giving you that opportunity? Because I want to learn from that. Now, you could say, well, you want to learn from that because you want to win. But the fact is I want to learn because I want to get better. I don't ever see myself as being uh, a world-class jiu-jitsu person. Just not, it's not going to happen. But I do want to improve and get better. And part of my reason for being involved in jiu-jitsu is because I wanted a physical fitness outlet. At the same time, I wanted something that challenged me to think in different ways. And it kind of fit into how I like to learn. So there was this opportunity. Now, if I walk in and I get all stuck in whether I'm winning or losing, I miss the question of am I learning or learning? Because let's say that I actually win, meaning the person taps. All I did was get somebody to tap. So then the question is, what did I learn from that? Not how did I win? Because it's real easy when you are you know, the one who's succeeding to believe that you have some, somehow mastered something. When in reality, it's possible you just got lucky at that moment. It's possible that you need to learn from what you did so you can replicate it. So this is the difference between that fixed mindset and that growth mindset. The growth mindset says, when I lose, I can learn from it. And when I win, I can learn from it. A fixed mindset says... When I lose, it's because I'm not good. And when I win, it's because I'm good. Those are places of ego. Because the ego is afraid to lose. The ego doesn't want to be embarrassed in everybody. So the question with education is, can we make a shift from trying to prove what we know to learning, wherever that education is happening? Now, education is not just happening in school. Education can happen in your hobbies, It can happen when you're exercising. It can happen when you're hanging out with friends, when you're having a discussion, even about politics. There can be education involved. You can learn something and say, wow, tell me how you see it that way, right? That's an open place that we can have to grow further. We're always in education. That's my belief is we are lifelong engaged in learning. 
We're lifelong learners. We are designed that way. It's, it's built into our human nature to constantly be taking in information, processing it, and, and moving into something new, unless we hold ourselves back. But the ego is afraid to lose. And so what happens when the ego is involved? Well, what I've noticed when the ego is involved, for instance, at jiu-jitsu, a couple of things might happen. One, people fight too hard. I'm always aware that when I'm going at it too hard, it's because my ego is involved. I don't want to lose. And so I fight harder than I ought to for the learning process. So sometimes when I watch people just kind of go full force in class, I realize they're trying to not lose. And in the process, they're not learning. So when our ego isn't involved, we fight too hard. The second thing I notice is a lot of times we kind of cheat. We cut corners. Sometimes in the middle of that, somebody will start telling me how I'm doing something wrong in jiu-jitsu and how I could do it better. And what they're basically trying to do is slow down me getting the tap by trying to tell me what I'm doing wrong, even though I'm about to win, right? I'm about to get a tap. And so they slow it down. That's, that's cheating. But we do it in other ways in life. If it looks like we're about to lose, we might just change the rules of the game or pull an extra card or you know, go for something a little bit different in an argument. Maybe, maybe go for them personally in an argument. That's cheating because we're afraid to lose. The other thing that happens when the ego is involved is we're afraid to venture out. One of the things I really try to do, can't say I'm 100% successful, but when I'm in jiu-jitsu, I am willing to take on anyone. But I'll go one step beyond that. We've got two guys that are probably, one of them I outweigh by 70 pounds, and he will take me on at any point. He's a young guy, and he won't back off of anyone. And I respect that because he's not afraid to lose. He wants to try himself out. But when the ego is involved, we often won't venture out. We won't give it our best shot because, you know, we want an out. The ego doesn't want to be shown as the loser. So, you know, I used to do that. I remember uh, I struggled with dyslexia and uh, I struggled with writing and, and reading. And so I would write a first draft paper and turn it in as my final draft. And then when they gave it back to me with low marks, I would say, well, you know, I didn't even work on that. I gave myself an out. I never ventured out. I never went, hey, there's the paper I'm proud of until I was called on the carpet by a professor in college who said, this was a great paper, but it would have been really great if you had made it a final draft, if you'd done it again. So you get a C. And I remember realizing that I hadn't really showed up for that. I hadn't really ventured out. The problem is the ego is always wanting to make winning a measurement of our worth and our value. Now, let's be clear. There are days when we win, days when we lose. When we make that a measurement of our worth and our value, when we lose, we're going to struggle with that. And when we win, we struggle with it too because it then puts us on task to keep winning. We can't lose. Otherwise, we lose face. And so part of what we do when the ego is involved is try to win at all costs. There's an important shift we can make, and that is to look at the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Why am I doing something? Is it because I want others to notice me or because I find it to be important? What's my purpose in this? 
Is it to prove to others how good I am or how valued I am? Or is it because there's something within me that says this is important? Now, let's be clear. There can be both. If I've been hired to do something, I need to prove my worth. I need to prove the value that I'm getting paid. But I don't have any value to prove when I'm at jujitsu. I don't have any value to prove lots of time in life other than what's important to me. That intrinsic value of where I think it's important because I find meaning and purpose in it, not because somebody said you ought to do that. So one of the big shifts that we can then make is from winning and losing to learning. So instead of it being winning or learning, it's really learning or learning. Either way, we're involved in a learning process. And the question is, what did I learn? What did I take from that? If I succeeded, what did I learn? If I didn't succeed, what did I learn? So we can step away from winning or losing. We can step away from winning or learning to simply learning. This process is about learning. How can we do that easily? How can we do that with some success in our life? Well, Heidi Waymart talks about the quiet ego and how we can move to find a place of balance and integration in our life. Now, let me be clear that when I say the quiet ego, there's obviously an ego involved. And it's not the silent ego because that's when you completely give up your voice and pretend you don't have one. But the quiet ego is when you're in the world observing and watching. She says there are four pieces to it. The first one is detached awareness. Detached awareness is when you're letting that part of you that can observe you be you along with your interactions with others. If you've ever had a conversation, in the middle of the conversation, you realize that you're, you're coming across in a way you don't want to. More than that, you might even be aware that the other person has some significant points that you're not willing to concede because that would show that you, you know, maybe have missed a point. So a detached awareness is being able to step back a little bit and watch what's going on around us. We always have an awareness, but when we're too attached to our own ego place, we're not able to see that others have perspectives too. Think about how this fits in our civic life right now. Very few people are operating with detached awareness. They don't make room for another opinion. Their opinion is right, everybody is wrong, they're gonna win, and they need to make everybody else lose. But detached awareness is to be watching for the space, for the place where you're observing what's going on around you without being overly attached to your opinion, to recognize that your opinion is that, an opinion, not flawless, and it doesn't have to be defended all the time. The second piece she, she talks about is inclusive identity. This is a place where we can cross barriers versus creating barriers. Inclusive identity is where I can see others for the places where we are connected rather than the places where we are separated. Whenever you're in a debate, your tendency is probably like most people to find the differences with that other person rather than the places where you're connected. When I'm working with couples, this is an important piece. When they're struggling in arguments, can I help them understand an inclusive identity where they are seeing the connection with each other, not the separation? We have nothing in common creates barriers. To ask the question, what do we have in common here? 
You know, I had somebody who had been married for 30 years say, I have nothing in common with my spouse. And I said, really? Because you got 30 years of experience with your spouse. You have kids together with your spouse, property together with your spouse, trips, all these pieces of the puzzle. You have lots that is in common. So it's inclusive in that place. We have that with everybody, even if we get to the place of just saying, that's a fellow human being who's trying to do their best to get to the world too. We're all trying to get through the world. And when we see that as a place of connection rather than how we're doing it differently, that creates a different place, a a place of inclusive identity. The third place she talks about moving into this new arena is perspective taking. Trying to see things from the other person's perspective, not just demanding that your perspective be seen, but looking at the other person's perspective as being an important place, an important link to hold on to. When we're able to add that other perspective, we build empathy. If I can begin to see why somebody's doing what they're doing, to understand the world from their perspective, I naturally build empathy into the process. We see each other at a different place. And the fourth piece is growth-mindedness, that we're moving towards something else. We're trying to grow to something else. So if I find somebody who believes something very different than me, I might have something to learn from them. Maybe they broaden my perspective, or maybe they just teach me to be working on inclusivity and, and finding the places of inclusivity. Or maybe I see my own places to be challenged in that. Or maybe I just commit to growing into a new place of you know, kind of allowing that place to be rather than me being the place that has to win. So next time you find yourself in a win or lose kind of mindset, the first shift you can make is to go to win or learn. Then the loss isn't so scary. And then the next place is to let go of the win and go to learn or learn. And then nothing's scary about it because everything is simply an opportunity for learning and growing and expanding into the person you need to be so that you can make the impact that you are designed to make in this world. If this has been helpful, I hope you'll check out my books. I have two that probably will apply to this. One is uh, about how to build your thriving life. That's called Thrive Principles. That's 15 strategies for building your thriving life. And then my other book is The Immutable Laws of Living, How You Break These Laws That You Don't Know That Are Out There. You can find those by going to savethemarriage.com slash books. That's savethemarriage.com slash books, B-O-O-K-S. And by the way, if this has been super helpful, help me spread the word about this podcast. If you leave a review, that would be a great thing to do. The way to leave a review is to go into your podcast app and go to my specific podcast listing for the, for the Thrivology podcast and you go down and find the place where you can leave a review just to let others know how important this is to you. I'd appreciate that. If you want to send a tweet out, you can do that by going to Thrivology.com slash love. That's Thrivology.com slash love. Give you a a pre-formatted tweet that you can then just send out so that people can hear where you found this. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. You've been 
listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.